0: think the key for just successful investing and in this year after a number of years where trend followers did poorly, we had a nice run and that attracted assets. We, we doubled our assets last year. It kind of keeps pointing out that people always tend to do the wrong things. They start out with a long-term view and as soon as there's losses or they're comparing to something that's doing better than what they have in their portfolio, they start shifting to a short-term view. and And that's just so damaging to their performance. If people could just, you know, put their money into a diversified portfolio and and just not reevaluate it on a daily, monthly, or even annual basis, you know, realize that it's there for the longer term, everybody would end up with much better performance than they do in the aggregate end up with. This is Mike Dever, founder and CEO of Brandywine Asset Management, and you are listening to my year in review on Top Traders Unplugged.
1: Imagine spending an hour with the world's greatest traders. Imagine learning from their experiences, their successes, and their failures. Imagine no more. Welcome to Top Traders Unplugged, the place where you can learn from the best hedge fund managers in the world so you can take your manager due diligence or investment career to the next level. Here's your host, Veteran Hedge Fund Manager Niels Kostrup-Larsen,
2: back Mike to this review of 2014 where we look at the big events from the point of view of your trading strategy. I'd like to explore the ups and the downs as well as the big takeaway from what can only be described as an interesting year for systematic trading strategies in general but as we know just because you're systematic in your trading it doesn't mean necessarily that your strategies deals with the market events in a similar way. But before we jump into the year as a whole because you were one of the very early ones, uh, guests on my show, why don't you take a couple of minutes and just remind people what it is your Symphony program really is all about?
0: Sure. Hey, thanks, Niels. Um, Symphony is set up, we are systematic managers, but we're not the, the traditional, I guess, conventional systematic manager that tends to be technical only or technical trend fine. Uh, we incorporate a variety of strategies that. Include, include fundamental uh, factors as well as sentiment factors, uh, arbitrage um, you know, factors, intermarket relationships. You know, quite a, quite a variety of things that blend together into a diversified portfolio. So we are systematic, but we use a lot of discretion certainly in developing the strategies. It's based on. My 35 years of trading, sure. um, a large chunk of that where I did discretionary trading and a lot of the ideas that we developed and, and incorporated in a systematic uh, model now are based on a lot of those discretionary experiences and, and fundamentals that I used to look
2: at. Sure. And given that, uh, and obviously as you rightly say, it is different from um, you know many other uh, managers in the so uh, quote unquote CTA industry. Tell me about 2014 from your perspective, where we uh, certainly, for most managers, uh, saw a very difficult start to the year with a very strong finish. But tell me how the year evolved from your point of view, both from a strategy point of view and and maybe even from from a firm point of view.
0: Brandywine uh, had a great start on the year in 2014. Uh, first quarter, we we're up, um, you know, solidly. I know a lot of the CTA industry had difficulty. Sure, uh, yeah, during that period, we had a good first half. Um, we went through the second half. What we were making, it's almost the exact opposite profile for what you'd see the, the CTA index, uh, indexes did during 2014. And it, it's not that we're negatively correlated; we're we're uncorrelated sure. uh, to. Pretty much everything, um, CTAs as well as uh, you know equities or bond markets or you know traditional investments. It's just that in 2014 we we turned out to be somewhat negative in the way we went quarter to quarter relative to the uh, other CTAs.
2: Sure. Now I haven't had the chance really to ask anyone this question, so I look forward to asking you what was so great about the first quarter. <laughs>
0: The yeah, good, good, good question. Yeah. Well, we're looking at a lot of different, um, you know, factors and, and we trade across well over a hundred markets right? Uh, in, in the portfolio. So it, it, there's a lot of things that came together in that first quarter that worked out for us. Some of the agricultural markets uh, we did really well with in our, our fundamentally based strategies. Um, you, I, I think I heard in one of your other talks about, uh, you know, coffee having a good rally, right. Yeah. Sure. You know, Right, so there there were some some of the good commodity markets that uh, you know contributed, you know during that that period. So I'd say the first part of the year was driven by our fundamentally based strategies, and it was um, across different uh, sectors. But agriculture was one of the standouts for us uh, during that that first part of the year.
2: Right, and if you look at the year as a whole, and and uh, if both if we look at Uh, you know market contributions you know which markets you did well in overall which markets were more tricky and maybe impose some losses on the portfolio but also in terms of the return drivers if you can kind of uh, maybe you can uh, find some of them that you can sort of talk about and say well this actually was a, a very favorable or unfavorable environment for this particular or these particular return drivers
0: yeah, so as much as the um, fundamental strategies that we we trade worked great in the first part of the year, they they came back to bite us a bit in the second half. Okay. Um, so some of the uh, some of the markets that the the, the trend strategies did well in, um, like the energy markets, for example, right. uh, gave us difficulty in some of our fundamental and sentiment-based strategies in the second part of the year. You know, so we'd reach extremes in sentiment. That would indicate counter-trend moves, usually short-term. But the uh, the move was just so um, dominant in the energy complex to the downside and on relenting mm. that those strategies didn't have an opportunity to take out uh, short-term trades counter to those trends at all. Mm. Now, on the, on the favorable side, though, what that meant was that our momentum strategies in the portfolio, and we, we refer to those as alpha hedge because they're – right. They generate alpha, but they're intended to hedge the other strategies in the portfolio that m- may on occasion get on the opposite side of uh, dominant trends. Sure. Th- they did great. I mean, that was a you know, one of the stronger performing strategies we've had in the last few years. Uh, and, and you can see that with the CTA industry that tends to be trend following doing very well. That portion of our portfolio did extremely well as well.
2: Sure. And given the fact that your year you came out with a flat year last year, um, were there any big moves? uh, uh, Let me rephrase that. Were there any markets that had big contributions positively or negatively? Or was it all more or less a mixed bag? Nothing really net net ending up doing, you know, much to the portfolio?
0: Well, we trade well over a hundred markets in the portfolio, so there's there's always going to be you know markets at each extreme, you know, for us. And extreme means maybe it contributes a couple percent positive okay. or negative uh, on a standalone basis the portfolio that 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 does happen. And you know, for us, the the, the sectors, and we don't generally break down when we're talking about it to individual markets, but sector wise, the um, agricultural sector. Uh, and the interest rate sectors did, did extremely well for us during the, mo- the year. They, right. th- they, they were very positive. And where we lost money was in the metals and the energies primarily. So the the, the markets the, um, that had the strongest trend, which was energy, uh, in the last part of the year, w- we gave up profits in there. And, and the metals, which were kind of mixed through the year, we just had difficulty with a number of the strategies in the portfolio to have those be a net loss for the portfolio during the year.
2: I think a lot of people actually had problems with the medals uh, in in, in general, so uh, not surprising. Now, of course, the year was also, in your case, a year of of two tails, but in in, in your case, probably swapped the other way around. But it's also a year that's going to be remembered for a number of themes, Um, you know, oil, you mentioned already, we had the uh, Russian-Ukraine situation, and of course, stretching the year into the first couple of weeks of 2015, we've had just another theme being given to us, which is the Swiss franc. And... A lot of these themes uh, drags headlines. I mean, the news are going to talk about and press uh, you know, negative stories about these things and how people lost money on that uh, event or, or, or not. Rarely do they um, talk about uh, anything positive. So in order to change that impression in the investor's mind, at least the investors who listen to our conversation... How did you deal with some of these situations? And maybe we just talk about the most recent one, which only happened a few days ago, the Swiss franc. How does a strategy like Symphony, how does it handle a completely unexpected situation, market event, uh, a market move that in theory should never be able to happen? How did you fare through a day like Thursday?
0: Right. So <clears throat> last Thursday was one of our our, our better days uh, in, our, in our track record. Um, the, the Swiss move, as much as it was unprecedented and unanticipated, um, it still gave some um, sort of indicators that something was going on. And you know, so we're we're looking at things that are not just technical, but but fundamental at Brandywine and in, in the Symphony program, and. Um, so for example, I mean, just as a discretionary trader, somebody that would be sitting in front of the screen and trading and looking at a lot of fundamentals, which we we don't do, of course, we're systematic, but we, we, we incorporate a lot of those, those same concepts that I used to use as a discretionary trader. I mean, you would see the, the, the Swiss reserves, you know, growing dramatically, like what happened in December over $30 billion worth of Euro purchases. And, and at the same time, you see that the, Swiss is rising against the euro and you start to understand just been a combination of events and and statistics that are coming in that the potentially there's some strain in the system and it's as much as people are trying to To push something down. It's it's all the underlying pressure is is pushing it up. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up with um, a long position the Swiss that, that actually we We had increased that position by 30% the week before the move, um, based on, again, a variety of strategies in the portfolio, netting out into that position. So that that turned out to be a real good day for us uh, when the Swiss finally gave up trying to uh, hold down the the value of the franc.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. That's uh, very impressive. Well done. Um, And um, I guess also in terms of uh, when you look back at the year as a whole, um, you know we always try and evaluate. I guess things uh, when we when we start at the beginning of a new year. Is there because it was a year that was um, you know interesting in the sense that uh, the industry that we 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 say we're a part of, even though um, you know it, you, you, what you do is, is is different. So I don't know whether you see yourself as being a part of of any particular industry, but but the industry that you and I know very well. Uh, you know, the systematic strategies, if we call it that. It was a year where it did well, uh, but it wasn't caused by any major uh, disasters like 2008 and so on and so forth. But then in those periods of time, uh, maybe often we don't look too closely about uh, the underlying strategies, the models themselves, because everything seemed to work well. But of course, we should always be skeptical. We should always look at potential new ideas. Was there anything that 2014, given the fact that you had a strong run in the beginning uh, and, and and obviously gave some of that back uh, in, towards the end, was there anything that you learned from that experience when you look back at 2014? Um, yeah, we learn
0: all the time. Uh, I've continued to learn over the last few decades It <laughs> doesn't change um and and the one thing that you always learn is 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 it's never time to do a a, a touchdown dance right (laughs) you know sure you'll have some great performance um but you know there's going to be periods and they could be immediately following that where your, your strategies get uh just out of line with what the markets are doing and you know, so from our standpoint, it, we, we, we've got a great model in that it allows us, it actually almost encourages or demands us to continue to develop additional strategies to incorporate into that model. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're continuing that process. Um, the, 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 the goal is to identify um, strategies that'll help continue to diversify the portfolio and where we have a negative performance period, like we did in the last half of 2014, um, make sure that we keep good balance in the portfolio with strategies that have strong performance in that Mm. same type of environment you know so it's not as much as a necessarily learning anything new is reinforcing what we have already been doing and uh you know giving us the ongoing confidence and drive i guess to to continue to expand our research and you know identify new strategies that'll help us continue to diversify the portfolio
2: did you tweak the model during the year so to speak um based on what you found we don't really
0: tweak what we do is we add additional strategies into the portfolio and we we have we we've been doing that since the launch in uh, 2011 we continue to add uh strategies we think will further diversify the portfolio so we did add some through uh 2014 okay um so and we'll just continue that you know that process uh, going forward
2: sure now given the fact that uh you started uh trading the strategy through a period which i think can only fairly be described as a Sort of convergent type uh, environment where central banks, uh, you know, was pretty unified and uh, had very strong um, visions for what they wanted to uh, achieve, I guess, and, and a lot of determination in trying to achieve that. But in the last sort of six to uh, nine months, uh, this u- unified stance seems to have changed and um, a lot of people are coming out now, um, looking at the world with very different uh, eyes and 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 in a much more divergent, uh, you know, style. Now, if these commentators are right, and we're heading into a world of much more divergence than what we've seen in the last five or six years, tell me about how some of your return drivers, how will they benefit uh, from this? Change in environment. How does, or, or maybe I should rephrase the question. And say, how will it adapt as as a program to this new environment?
0: Yes. Yeah, so the, the um, you know, what's interesting is that the as you describe the convergent period um, it was difficult for a lot of the systematic fund yeah. followers. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was a great great period you know for us, but in, in reality, the um, market divergences are are better. For us as well. Um, If you don't have everything lining up, moving in the same direction, it just gives the portfolio that much better diversification opportunities. So we've, you know, as much as we had a difficult last half of 14, August, which was a very strong trend follower period, was one of our better months we've had uh, in in the last few years. So that kind of environment where you get these divergences, you get some big moves, um, you know, they can be extremely beneficial for us as well. And so we welcome that kind of behavior. We welcome markets that are moving more independently of each other where the, you know, the fundamentals start um, holding sway, um, you know, from, from our approach uh, or with the different strategies. In, in general, that's a positive environment.
2: Mm. Yeah. Now of course given the fact that it was a strong year for uh, for for many of the uh, CTAs uh, which can only be a positive generally speaking um, there could be a chance at least that uh, investors who in my opinion are probably under invested in this strategy at the moment that they will take another look at at uh, the area and the space and and uh, you can certainly imagine uh, or at least hope for uh, large inflows uh, in this uh, area. Now, you've been around for a very long time, and so I'd like to hear your your uh, sort of uh, view on this. And that is, how does the industry as a whole, how do we as managers, how do we best um, manage a potential big inflow of assets into these strategies, uh, given the fact that last time that happened, they all disappeared pretty quickly as well which to some extent causes a lot of disruption in the industry and certainly for the managers individually but how do we better manage that um both the expectations and 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 maybe even the assets flow themselves
0: well i think the last flow in which was really out of the financial crisis was a, a knee-jerk reaction mm. where people have been pushing um uh, you know the idea of diversification of portfolios using managed future strategies uh, for a number of years, and they were finally able, to, uh, you know, at least the people that were they were pushing it to, were finally able to understand the value of that after the fact, mm. and and that's just that's just how investors work. And we've got sentiment strategies in our portfolio that take advantage of the fact that. Um, the, the bulk of the people, the majority are wrong mm. at the turning points. It's just what happens, you know? So it, you had that environment where everybody, uh, that had long equity exposure was looking to, uh, after they lost their money of saying, wow. oh, I, I need to diversify and get ready for that to happen when that happens again. And, and then you've had a subsequent six year period where equities have done nothing but rally, mm. um, you know, m- made huge money year after year after year. Well, the the money they moved out of that underperformed. You know, through, uh, so it's worse underperformance period in the last couple decades right. into the managed future space. So. Typically, what you have happen is people then start regretting that decision. They move, they start taking the money out, putting it back in equities. So that's what's happened here. And I don't know that you'll ever change that human behavior, but you can, at least through um, ongoing education and Mm -hmm. hand-holding, get people to – try to do the right thing for themselves and prevent them from doing the wrong thing. It's it's difficult, but I think it's a, it's an ongoing process. I think a lot of CTAs did a great job through this period in holding on to what they could from the money that had come in and after the financial crisis, but it's it's you're fighting human nature. You know, yeah. people people want to go into what is has done well and they want to pull money out of what hasn't done well so you know hopefully people start viewing it as a diversifier in a portfolio it's got a long-term perspective um th- that they take on it and they're able to hold in there uh longer i i have an interesting story i, I have an investor that called me in yeah. in september you know so we shortly after we hit our peak on the year and uh said he he, he was looking at increasing his allocation he wanted it he he was taking a 20-year view uh on what's going on and and you know he you know what are the expectations over 20 years of course i can't tell him that i just tell him what we you know we've been doing what we expect with our model under different environments but in the last month he he calls at least a couple times per week Mm. now that we're in a drawdown period so his 20-year view has shifted to day to day yeah and and that's what i see happen on an industry wide basis too you you get some of these financial planners or people that have moved money into managed futures and if it starts performing poorly they're evaluating that on a day-to-day basis rather than understanding the reason they went in there in the first place, which is the long-term benefit
2: Mm. Now you make a great point there and actually um, I just had a conversation the other day with Scott Billington from Covenant and he made the same observation but in a different way and that is you see investors do due diligence and they look at track records that are 10 or 15 years long and that's the basis on which they make the decision to invest in the first place, but then the decision to take the money out is usually based on six months performance and usually just six months of bad performance. And and that is completely mismatch. I mean, it makes no sense uh, that, that you want to make your investment decision based on 20 years of data, uh, but you want to make your redemption decision based on six months worth of data.
0: That's right. That's yeah. right. It's it's that behavior that present, presents us with opportunities for profiting in the markets because they don't just do that with their managers, they, they do that with individual stocks or yeah. commodities, whatever it is they're trading. So that presents opportunities to make profits, but it, it pr- provides uh, a challenge in asset raising and, and holding on to
2: clients. Cool. Now, Mike, you have one other hat that you have worn in the past, which is the hat of an author and you wrote a book. Um, that I think many people uh, have read and enjoyed. But it was about myths, as far as I remember, uh, of different things. Is there anything when you look back at 2014, where you look and, and you look at the book you wrote and say, yeah, this is exactly what I wrote about, and, and this is exactly happening again? Or maybe even some of these things are being slightly, you know, slowly being sort of disproved?
0: Yeah, it, the myths are reasonably... Uh, permanent, uh, and and the behavior you're seeing in, in 2014, where people are now increasingly getting comfortable with you know long equity positions, and and, and in, in the beginning of the year abandoning some of those hedged exposures like into managed futures that they had had uh, in their portfolio. You know, true enough, is you know we we see in the myths uh, that th- with market sentiment and right. trusting expert advice, people tend to do the wrong thing, you know, at the wrong time. And so right when they, they, they could have been increasing their exposures, they've been decreasing their exposures to some of the best performing managers out there, which, you know, turned out to be some of these trend followers in the portfolio. So no, the myths, I I think they're reasonably timeless. (laughs) Um, I don't, I don't see them, you know, changing anytime soon or, you know, being overruled by short-term events.
2: Sure. So you're not planning the sequel. It's it's still valid, I guess.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, uh, no sequel. And since it took me 10 years to write the first book, I, <laughs> you know, don't hold your breath on the second one yet.
2: Okay. Well, you never know. You never know. Right. Now, I've only got one question left, really, Mike, uh, towards the end here. But I just want to give you also an opportunity to bring anything up that you feel is important for uh, the audience to uh, be aware of as we head into 2015 um, both from maybe a general point of view and and maybe from from your strategy point of view
0: well no i uh, i think the, the the key for just successful investing and and this year after a number of years where trend followers did poorly um i mean you know, we had it, we had a nice run and that attracted assets. We, we doubled our assets last year. Um, it it kind of keeps pointing out that people will always tend to do the wrong thing. As we just mentioned sure. a few minutes ago, sure. you know, they, they take, they start out with a long-term view. And as soon as there's losses or they're comparing to something that's doing better than what they have in their portfolio, they start shifting to a short-term view. And, and that's just so damaging to sure. their performance. If People could just, you know, put their money into a diversified portfolio and, and managed futures is certainly a, a key part of that um, and, and just not reevaluate it on a daily, monthly or even annual basis, sure. you know, realize that it's there for the longer term, they, they, everybody would end up with much better performance than they, they do in the aggregate end up with.
2: So the funny thing is really that the worst thing you could do with a trend following strategy is as an investor traded you know as a trend follower meaning buying the high and selling the lows which is unfortunately what people end up doing they do <laughs> now just a final question really mike uh, not nothing specific in, in in my mind but if there's anything that you could wish for for the new year um what would that be
0: uh, you know i think is, from our standpoint we just we'd like the markets to be active mm-hmm. um, we we like there to be um, what we would look at sort of irrational as irrational behavior and I define that as behavior in markets that aren't necessarily profit driven but people are maybe moving in and out for other reasons. Um, those are things that we can capitalize on, take advantage of. We don't necessarily need big long term trends like the trend followers, but sure. you know we, we do like to see markets move and we do like to see markets move independent as much as possible of each other. Um, and if
2: if we can get that, you know I think we're in a we're in a great environment. Sounds good. Excellent. Well, unfortunately, our time today really is up. So uh, for those who want to learn much more about you, Mike, and of course, your strategies, they can go back and listen to our previous conversation on Top Traders Unplugged. I do want to thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your insights as usual, always interesting and entertaining. And I want to wish you and your firm all the very best for 2015. And I look forward to catching up later in the year. Thank you, Neil. All the best. Take care.